to the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Brian Russell, and today it's my privilege to have as my guest, J.W. Bertolotti of the Perennial Leader Project. Josh is the host of In Search of Wisdom, which is one of my favorite podcasts. He's a coach and he's a lover of wisdom. In this episode, we're going to have a, a rich conversation about reading the works of the ancients and doing a deep dive into the great thinkers of the past so we can learn how to live wisely, to live well. He talks about the importance of developing self-awareness, especially among leaders, and also the importance of forgiveness in the good life. You're going to love this conversation. Let's jump into the interview. Welcome, Josh, to the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. It's uh, so great to have you as my guest today. Well, I'm glad to be here. Good to connect with you, Brian. And just to get things started the way I like to with all my guests, can you share a, a few key moments in, in your life and maybe even your spiritual journey, if you're comfortable, that led you to today where you serve as a podcast host, your coach, and I would consider you a teacher of wisdom with all the content that you put out. Well, I appreciate it. A little uncomfortable with the teacher of wisdom part, but uh, um, but yeah, I spent my adult life in the military. I kind of grew up in a small town in, in South Florida. Didn't really travel much or see much of the world in, until joining the Air Force. And, and shortly after getting to my first base, I was probably, you know, around 20 or so, something like that. There was a member of my unit at the time who took his own life. Um, individual was probably around 25 or so at the time. Not someone that I knew particularly well, but someone I looked up to was really competent at their job, seemed to have everything going for them. So it was um, a real shock to me. And it, it left me thinking about life and coming to the realization that it's, it's a bit more complex than I realized. And there's, it's a different experience for, for all of us. But I would say that particular experience probably started me on a, on a journey to, to asking some of these perennial questions of, of maybe how one leads a good life and, you know, avoid suffering or, or navigate suffering in life. And when we first connected, I, I think it was, I think, because you invited me to be on your podcast, and I think you'd seen some of my tweets about, I like to quote, I quote uh, Seneca and sometimes Epictetus a lot. I think that's how we originally connected. Can, can you talk a little bit about your interest in Stoicism in general? And Sure. It's, it's always hard to pinpoint when, at least it is for me, when you particularly uh, find something. Um, but I don't know if you remember when Kindles and things like that first became a thing. But I, I remember being an early adopter and getting one of those and all the older books were free. Yeah. So and I, I think I probably had some sort of curiosity around wisdom then. But I remember and you can kind of look back and see because they're still in your in your Kindle library and when it was downloaded and things like that. 
But one of those was um, a book by Epictetus, the Enchiridion. So that, that might have, have spurred it. But another thing, I guess, similar to around that, that time that I, that I just mentioned of that young man taking his own life, uh, my grandmother passed away shortly after that or within a year after that and was someone who lived a long, good life, but really embodied what I would call a, a joyful life all the way to the end. And you think about, you know, people in their in their 80s, the pain and the, the physical ailments and things like that. And to be able to smile and laugh and, and embody joy through some of that, it was really intrigued me. Um, and I think that connects with, with stoicism for me or was the initial entry point of, of finding joy in the face of adversity. You have a, is Epic, is Epictetus or Epictetus? I mean, you know, how you say his name heard uh, so me, you probably got the right either. one. So uh, <laughs> is, is he your favorite stoic or do you have a preference for any of them in particular? No, uh, probably my favorite is Seneca. It might be just based on the, the massive amounts of, of content. And also I like the, the letters seeing this exchange I think is pretty cool, but, but Marcus Aurelius is a close second. I'm a huge fan of, of meditations. No, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I found out about stoicism. I guess I was listening to Tim Ferriss podcast and he was talking a lot about uh, Seneca's letters. And I, I found that for myself, even going through my own difficult time, I found, uh, and I was also in a new job. It was very stressful when I was Dean and uh, I found that the Stoics to sort of be these people with skin in the game that knew how to navigate without freaking out about the external stuff. So I found them super helpful. So I was just curious how you connected with, uh, with that. Now, now your podcast it's in, by the way, everyone's listening should check out uh, Josh's podcast in search of wisdom. He's put, he's had fantastic guests. He's a great interviewer. It's called in search of wisdom. I uh, love that title. Um, and I know you always ask folks, or I think, I don't know if you ask everybody, I haven't listened to every episode, but you often ask people what, what they think, what their understanding of wisdom is in, in some, in a specific way, but like from all these interviews that you've done in your own, you know, in, in your own search for wisdom, what would you say have been some of maybe your key takeaways or even surprising takeaways about what it means to live wisely today in the 21st century? Well, I greatly appreciate the kind words, and I appreciate you being a being a guest on the on the show previously. Um, I'm about seventy five episodes in or so, and it, it's it's still somewhat of a difficult question for me for me to answer. Um, so there's many many different definitions, but I think some of the things or the takeaways for me personally that I think are applicable to others in, in daily life. And I'm really after a practical sense of wisdom, a, a rubber meets the road, if you will. But some of these key lessons obviously show up in various different traditions and they're maybe communicated a different way which I think, I think helps. It helps me um, as we were chatting before the show as somebody that follows the Christian path. 
I think of, say, the, the practice of forgiveness, for example. You think of Jesus on the cross stating, forgive them for they know not what they do. I tend to think in how do you do that? <laughs> it, yeah. it's, when I come at that, it's a very difficult thing. But if you look back, you can see Socrates, you know, through the writing of Plato, talking about the same thing. No one knowingly does evil. It's simply just a lack of wisdom in that particular moment. Thomas Aquinas, Marcus Aurelius, who we just mentioned, I would say Seneca, there are many, many people that say the same thing. And I, I think hearing some of that in different ways, communicated slightly different, can maybe, at least for me, maybe get a bit deeper in your bones that everyone wants to do well. Any sort of you know, evil or wrongdoing that, that we may see, you know, that should be seen through a lens of, of compassion. Oh, that's good. I, I actually loved it. If that's, is that, if that's the key takeaway, I think that's awesome. Are there other things that jump out to you from, you know, your own study of wisdom beyond forgiveness? But I love how you started with that. And again, we're yeah. kind of like, this isn't going to come out during Holy Week, but we're literally recording <laughs> this during Holy Week. And you're talking about uh, Jesus on the cross. So that's pretty cool too. Yeah. Yeah. I think another thing that, that comes up is something that you, I believe, talked about um, on the podcast, but as I've also heard it in a number of your other episodes. If we think of, say, the Jesus prayer, for example, this idea of, of, of having mercy on me, a sinner, but you also stress the importance of this second prayer that you talk about of allow me to accept the things about myself, regardless of, of how beautiful they are. And I may have butchered that um, a bit, but this idea of, of these different poles of maybe seeing a broader perspective, uh, it, it seems like there's a tendency we're viewing these paths maybe as Robert Frost talks about in the road not taken, here's two, here's this way, but Oftentimes it's this both and, or maybe Aristotle talks about a golden mean, the Buddha would say the middle way. It's almost like there's a road not there that you have to navigate and deal with this uncertainty in, in both and. And I'm a huge fan of, of Richard Rohr as well, this idea of, of yes and. Um, but I, I think that has been a consistent theme that, that shows up in, in some of these conversations as well. And just speaking with you, and again, I, I'm on your email list and I get to read some of your essays. You're always pulling things together from so many great thinkers, heavily invested in ancient thinkers, and you've just been whipping off one after another as we've been talking. And then you did a lot of, there's other modern thinkers too. So talk a little bit about how, I mean, your own reading practices, how have you been able to pull from all of these different uh, traditions or paths and is that, and how long has it taken you to get to the place now where you seem like you are just almost effortlessly able to pull all of these different traditions together? What's that looked like for you as this walk that you started when you were said you were 20? Well, those are, those are kind words and it's, it's probably not put together as eloquently <laughs> as, uh, as, as it could. But, um, but you're in the game there, Josh, and it's not too many yeah. people actually are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit 
obsessive, I guess, if you will, which could be a a virtue. It could be a, a vice as as well. Um, but I, I tend to follow these these rabbit holes, mm. if you will. Um, I remember initially starting out reading a lot about positive psychology mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And then a lot about leadership. Um, and maybe more recently in the last five years, uh, you know, philosophy and, and things like that. I've also went, you know, went through a time of of Thomas Merton and Thomas Keating, which I, I come back to and things like that. But I think the more you read, you know, m- many of the books that you read and in yours, which is phenomenal, there's a lot of wisdom in there from various different traditions. And I don't know, sometimes it just connects the connects the dot and maybe make a little, little mental note. Thankfully, things like uh, Kindle, you can highlight and go back to things and make notes and all, all of that type of stuff. No, I, I, I just love that. I think it, and I think it is right. That's one of the beauty of commitment to lifelong learning. You just start getting these serendipitous kind of moments over the years and things do start to connect. And that's, um, you know, you have to experience the reading and the study, but you'll always hit these moments where it seems like things just come together at different points in fresh ways. And I, I mean, I clearly see that in, in your work. It's one of the reasons I appreciate it so much. Um, Talking about the your own the the organization that 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 you're part of that, that, that you founded uh, the Perennial Leader Project. Again, I love that <laughs> phrase too. The Perennial Leader, uh, great name. Um, what's a perennial leader, and how would we know it if we saw one? That's another good. That's another good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, the meaning to me of a of a perennial leader is maybe for some not so inspiring. If you think of this idea of, of true self, false self, maybe the false self doesn't necessarily like this idea of a perennial leader or some sort of path where there's no end, there's nothing to climb, there's no one to compete with and things like that. Um, maybe an example, like if you think of, I, I think there's these uh, illusions. Um, and I, I love how you talk of um, the unholy trinity. And if I remember right, fear, guilt, and shame. Yeah, yes. And a lot of traditions will talk about these things as, as like illusions. We're not really seeing clearly. Um, but think about like the illusion of, of success which really maybe doesn't sit well with the false self. But if you were to ask somebody like who painted the Sistine Chapel, who invented the light bulb, these type of questions, you know, quick responses of Michelangelo, Thomas Edison, all of that. But you, you look at it, you know, a little deeper, peel the onion back. And then it's like, well, yes, it was Michelangelo and a, and a team of, I think a whole another dozen, dozen people. And in the way of Edison, yes, it was Edison. And then a team of a whole another, like almost 50 people um, that were just part of the team. And then there's just all this connection type of deal. So it's like this illusion of individual success. I've heard you talk about seeing someone with 10,000 people behind them. Love that. You know, where did you how did that come to you this idea of, of 
you know, you're not just seeing this person. And I think sometimes we can think or even set out to achieve success in this way that is kind of an illusion. Now, I love that. I'd, I'd love to just say a little bit more on that because I know you do some coaching on those things. And again, all of us, I mean, I don't know if you were always as collaborative as you are today. I'm, I'm going to be 53 in April. I think this podcast will come out before my, before my April 22nd, so for my birthday or whatever. But, uh, you know, I look back over my life and most of the mistakes I've made as a leader is I was, you know, trying to achieve something, you know, some level I was thinking I was doing it for God. I'm not going to say I had bad motives, but, you know, it's for got to get tenure, need to write a book, blah, blah, blah. Or even as a dean, I need to get all my faculty to do this thing that I think they should do. And then, you know, you learn hopefully before it's too late. And I think hopefully I did before it's too late that you actually, you know, you do need a team, right? And that kind of, those are lessons that sort of came late later to me. When did you pick that up and how do you help? You know, we have, there's a lot of pastors that are listening to the podcast and uh, good, bad, or ugly, not every pastor, um, they have to lead volunteers, and then they're not, some are better than others at actually putting teams together. And a lot of times it just becomes a burden and overwork. It's so easy, it just becomes about kind of this spiritual leader who does everything. So how, talk about how you got to the point where you learned what real collaboration was and how the leader could kind of recede and basically deploy a team to achieve something greater. And what's your advice to leaders that maybe come to you for coaching to help them to begin to move out of this great man or great woman who does everything into this person, as you said, that kind of recedes in the background. I, my initial response, I, I want to talk about the idea that I'm not sure that we pick it up. I, I, I can say that for myself. I'm not sure that I, I pick that up. I'm not sure that if we were to collaborate with a group that there wouldn't be that. Um, but I think that is part of it, of, of realizing that that is a bit of an illusion that maybe we just get glimpses of in, in coming to the realization that we're not quite seeing it. Like if you think of... Um, say Thomas, Thomas Merton on the corner of, I, I can't remember the street, but you know, he gets this insight in this connection with everyone there. I assume that didn't last, even though he had that particular insight, he probably didn't carry that with him the rest of his life. And I think that's the same truth for us. We can get some of these insights, but that doesn't mean it lasts. It doesn't mean that we're going to be able to really put that into practice on a consistent basis. When I look back at, at my time being active duty in the military and leading teams, I, I see much of, of too much of knowing too much of, um, I, I definitely don't look back and see what, what I'm talking about as a, as a perennial leader. Um, and I, I think sometimes that can be a problem if you're reading, say, a traditional leadership book. Sometimes it comes across and it might, I wouldn't say it does more harm than good, but it might do a, a little bit of harm potentially because there's a feeling of knowing. There's a feeling of, of I um, yeah, instead good. of we, our, us, if that makes any, any sense. <laughs> Yeah. So what are some of the ways that 
because I mean, I totally agree with it. I appreciate it. I, I love the, even this, this, the kind of the, the self-awareness that you show. And, and I like the word illusion and I like, I can tell, I mean, the complexity it's like, yeah, we don't always get this right. And there's also the challenge of like, okay, I get knowledge, but just because I have knowledge doesn't mean it gets into my hands and my feet and even my mouth so that I can embody these things. So knowing isn't enough. You got to be able to walk the path in some way. So what are some questions that you like to use or maybe even tools that help draw out enough self-awareness out of a person that maybe you're working with who wants to be a better leader, wants to learn more from you that uh, puts them in a position where they're not just in their head so much it, can you, mm-hmm. without trying to share all your secrets to your coaching, no. but like, well, <laughs> no, no, no secrets. Um, you know, I think the question uh, of questions around what do you know for sure? How might you be wrong? Some of these questions that can maybe shed light on that opposite pole that we were talking about with the, with the Jesus prayer yeah. and, uh, and the opposite pole, how can we shed a little bit of light on these two different paths? So one might be able to navigate a road that's, that's not necessarily there and find some sort of, of middle way. But also there's these weird things of, um, desire, like Lao Tzu has some sort of quote that I remember reading in this book, The Greats on Leadership. Um, I think it's Susan Davis, but she basically writes in there that, you know, stuff from the East, there's only one particular thing from Eastern traditions. And she puts in there that it's, it's basically the advanced version you know i was like oh what 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 does what does that mean but you know you read this particular lao tzu quote and it's i'll paraphrase and and butcher it here but it's basically you know you're stepping out of the way like the success is all of theirs like this the leader that is almost non-existent um when some version of success is achieved the team feels like we did it ourselves now that makes all sense, but if you think of, well, what gets in the way of that? Well, we want to be needed. We want to be valued. You know, there's these particular, maybe it's, maybe it connects a bit with the false self again, but the, you know, this ego thing, we do have this desire to, to be seen in a certain way. Um, and some of those things can obviously get, get in, in the way of that, our own desires to, for maybe it's an illusion of success, our own desire to be remembered and, and valued and things like that. Yeah, I like, I love that. And so like, what are practices that you've found that maybe are universal in some ways that help a person to at least get a glimpse of that space that you're talking about that gain a sense of maybe there's a second guess on their one's own motives that you get, you become self-aware because if you're going to disappear, you actually have to recognize that you've actually disappeared <laughs> versus just <laughs> thinking you are. So like, what are, what are practices or tools that you might recommend folks uh, to try out for a season? Um, I mean, I, I think a big one is, is one that you talk about is some sort of stillness practice. I tend to think about it as, as just as I said, basically a stillness mm-hmm. practice. Yeah. I sometimes worry about 
any sort of traditional meditation, centering prayer, what, whatever of these different versions there are with some sort of set of rules. Um, yeah. I sometimes worry about just our need to try to be successful, our, our, our desire to do something well. Um, I think a good starting point and in, in maybe a lot of value is, is just stillness of just thinking about it as nowhere to go, nothing to do, simply practice stillness. And maybe after a year or so that, or, you know, whenever someone feels comfortable, if they want a little more structure, if they want a, you know, a, a, a system, whether centering prayer or some, something else to put that into practice after some just stillness. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. You're saying that I'm, I have the privilege, uh, um, Actually, it's later today. I'm going to record another episode in a couple hours after we're done. I'm speaking to a James Brian Smith, and uh, he has a new book. It's called The Good and Beautiful You. And what's fascinating is um, he's trying to help a person. He has a whole trilogy of books that go before that, but this is his fourth one. He's talking about um, essentially being able to become the person that God created you to be. And he does the, I don't know, I'm trying to think if he uses the language of false self, true self. I think he does. He's talking about you becoming your true self. And he has a series of practices because the book's meant to be read in the community. And it's interesting. The very first of his spiritual practices is holy leisure, which what he meant was it wasn't, it was so, silence and solitude with no goal attached to it. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do this 20 minute centering prayer so that I can grow spiritually. It's literally you could do anything you wanted as long as there was no goal or take or you know or work on the other side of it. And I think I just kind of heard you saying that, which is really interesting. And if you think about it, that is also difficult. It's yeah. even just to sit still for 10 minutes, say, I'm going to sit still for the next 10 or 20 minutes, you find a place, you will still face resistance, just like that quote from Blaise Pascal talks about uh, of that being basically kind of the, the root of the problem is our inability. You still face that. And I tend to think of not only how do you do something, but what might be the obstacles that get in the way of doing that? And I think sometimes some sort of structure, you might have to remember the rules of, of how do you do this? Um, and then this thing, especially if you're initially starting, you might have that inner critic talking about, well, I didn't do that well. Um, you know, how do we remove maybe some of those obstacles? And I still think there, there may be a benefit. I had a person on the podcast, um, Kevin Griffin, if I remember his name, but long time uh, meditation teacher and things like that. And I heard him say on another podcast that, he thinks that maybe it's the stillness that does the work, not necessarily all of these particular this or that, you know, this, I mean, there's so many different types of, of meditation. And obviously, there's something to that. I mean, I don't know if he holds on to that um, super strongly, but you know, something to, to think about that maybe there's, you know, benefit of, of just stillness. I love that. I think that's going to be a big takeaway from this conversation, the way you just articulated that so so well. So thank you very much. Um, I'm curious about your Instagram account. And I know you, I think you also put it out on Twitter, but I mostly see your stuff on Instagram. And I just find myself like 
pasting your quotes. I've, I mean, I, share, I don't know how many I've shared now. I just love them because it's like you literally just have a almost a stream of things coming out on Instagram. I don't even know if I see every one that, that comes out. So how, how do you actually, from a nuts and bolts perspective, again, I'm thinking there's some people here listening that they, they're trying to do social media at their church, trying to get the, you know good messages out. And, and you, again, your social media to me, I would let, I would, you know, anybody tell anybody to follow it because it's always positive. It's always helpful and it's pointing people in my way to the deepest truths. And I think when you're pointing people to the deepest truths, I mean, that's the ultimate blessing that we can do with our, with our own lives. So, so how do you do it? How do you get all this stuff to just roll through your accounts all the time and have time to even put all those quotes together? Is there a secret behind all that or? Well, that's that's probably too too kind of you. And for the listeners, maybe lower the expectations uh, <laughs> a bit if you're going there to check it out. But uh, uh, but it's, it's really a few posts a day of, you know, I would say mostly philosophical quotes um, that are that are coming from the Path newsletter that that we put out weekly or quotes from podcast episodes like you coming on I go through uh, you know pick out a memorable quote from the conversation and and that's pretty much it but just things that have stuck with me over the over the years some of these quotes have been you know a little collection probably over the last decade or so that are hopefully short and, and memorable but I actually I think there's a lot of value in a short concise, truth um and and sometimes it can be an entry point into whatever that particular path may may be i I think there are people that maybe come in by way of a of a philosophical wisdom tradition and find themselves on the on the christian path seeing that i think you can come into some of these things and the wisdom from Jesus makes more sense. It, you can really see it as this, you know, beautiful teaching, this beautiful wisdom and in, in, in way of life. So share a little bit. I mean, I know like one of the things I liked about Seneca's letters, and you mentioned this, Seneca kind of models, he'll throw a quote in at the end. He always, and he, you know, and it's funny, he'll even share from like Epicurus. He said, he's like, what's he even say? He steals from the enemy or however he said, however, I don't think he calls, maybe, I don't think he reads that strong a language, but it's kind of funny. He'll tell you a quote and do a little thing on of it. So, you know, many people love quotes, but you seem like you've been a collector. And so have just curious, how do you have an organize, organ, organizing system to your quotes so that you can pull things, you put them in categories, or do you literally just have a bunch on a piece of paper and you kind of share them as you find them? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's very uh, organized, but but I use Canva to yeah, yeah. Cr- create it. So basically, once you put it in there, it's there. So once you get a little collection um, you know, of content that you want to put out, it, it's a cycle. If you get 100, you can post and then kind of start from the beginning and add as you go, delete as you go. Um, but I would say it's not not very organized uh, initially, other than basically what's in there in terms of posting content. That's good. Well, it's again, it's, it's just to show them it's, it's commitment and continue to work on it. So if I was going to ask you, again, I didn't send this question, I'm just curious. I mean, like, what are two or maybe one or two of your favorite quotes that come to mind that like, that, that you think about a lot, or maybe you've shared the most, or you found the most meaningful in your life? There's one that I probably found 
within the last couple of years um, from Reinhold Neubauer, and I may have pronounced his last name incorrectly, but, um, you know, also known for the serenity prayer and things like that. But he says forgiveness is the final form of love. Wow. Yeah. And I, I am uh, big on forgiveness these days, the wisdom of forgiveness. Um, I just don't necessarily think it's talked about um, as much as it should be. And I love in your book towards the, towards the end, you know, you really stress the importance of, of forgiveness. Um, but, but it's, it's a skill that we have to cultivate and think about. And there's people that have come before us that provide wisdom that can help us to, to be more, more forgiving and, and live uh, more peaceful lives. That's a great quote. And uh, yeah, I just have a, a few more questions for you. And these are more questions I do like to ask uh, my guests. Uh, this first one is, um, I don't know, this could be as audacious as you want it to be, but now that since you've said what a perennial leader is, maybe it'll be hard to answer. But uh, if, 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 you know, if your future really would unfold uh, according to your goals, your dreams, maybe even your sense of where God is guiding you or what or your just wisdom path is, is guiding you, where, where do you hope to end up, say, again, I have no idea how old you are, either like 20, 25 years from now, it could be 10 years. I mean, what, what, like, what, where do you, what's, what's your kind of long-term goal in the work that you do, Josh? Well, I'm 43 now. Um, that's a tough question for me to, yeah. to answer, really. It's, um, I don't necessarily think too much in that in that way today. Um, but I, I'll tell you, I, I feel like I've been extremely blessed, um, married to a wonderful woman, two great kids, um, you know, so fortunate to have been able to have a career in the military and things like that and retired and, and the flexibility to, to search for wisdom, if you will, it's a real privilege in my mind. Um, so I hope to, to be a blessing I guess yeah. if you're some way, if you've been blessed, be, be a blessing. Um, I hope that maybe someday this particular thing that I'm doing, if it continues and, and who knows, I, I don't necessarily hold things too tightly, but if it continues, I, I hope to maybe raise some money for charity and, and things like that. And, and hopefully, you know, acts for the common good. I love that. I love that. So what's a typical day look like for you? Um, just in terms of maybe how you structure, I guess, a typical work day, I guess, come hopefully you just take some days off and you're not doing anything other than hanging out with the family and stuff. But uh, yeah. what's a typical day look like for you in terms of habits? And what do you use to keep yourself so grounded? Um, well, I have a, a bit of a routine in terms of practices that I have been with for a bit and will probably continue for, for a while. And that is, um, journaling. I'm a fan of journaling like you are. Uh, I'm also a huge fan of daily readers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a pile of daily readers that I, I rotate, rotate through, um, Henry Nowens right here that I just picked up and we'll go through and but uh, read that and then do a bit of journaling, looking at the previous day. Um, and from a journaling perspective, I like the idea of these, as the Stoics talk about, of, of looking at 
from a, a second person, I guess, if you will, just kind of uh, observing it, um, examining your day, maybe against the cardinal virtues, theological virtues, or, or these perspectives on life, whether it be this connection type of thing that we've talked about, or impermanence or beginner's mind, but something where you're have some ob objective stuff to evaluate, you know, in a kind way, how yesterday went. And then already talked about a, a bit of stillness. And then I'm a big walker, I mm -hmm. live around some woods and Sometimes I walk and, and listen to, to audio, but a lot of times maybe just some uh, deliberate conscious walking, not necessarily for, for exercise, but more for, for peace of mind. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. I, I do a lot of walking just without any, any noise at all and just kind of take it in just to try to get that expanse. And then, you know, sometimes I'll record something, but I, I love just to walk and just to listen and it's so good. So yeah. that's awesome. Um, outside of, um, I guess the Bible, which again, we haven't talked about much in this episode, but I mean, other than what it would be like two or three books, uh, that have, that you've shaped you deeply that when you think, wow, I'm so glad I read these two or three books at from in my, at some point in my life. Um, one would be meditations by Marcus Aurelius that I yeah. already mentioned. Yeah, for um, sure. it's there's some real wisdom in there, but also just this idea of it being someone's journal uh, is a, that's cool. Just a really cool format. Another one, which I think is not so common uh, is awareness by Anthony DeMello. Have you ever, yeah, I just, you ever I just, I just literally, I have like two chapters left. I've been reading that right now. It's, yeah, it's a remarkable book. I've probably read that book more than any other book. Um, that I've that I've read. And the interesting thing that has another, I, I think, kind of cool format is because it was a, um, a retreat that he did. So it, it's not edited up like a traditional book would be. It's just basically him talking. Um, if you you can actually find the if they're still on there, the YouTube videos of him doing it from the 80s or wow. 90s or whatever it is. But uh, but yeah, it's not edited at all. It's just him straight straight shooting very direct and and sometimes uh some harsh truths in there um but yeah i really really enjoy that yeah that that is a really that is an interesting book and it's just funny you said that because i'm literally like i just have a couple of pages left on that thing i've been slowly <laughs> digesting it this year because it's uh yeah it's that is a remarkable book and you're right he's he writes well, Aurelius does it too, because Aurelius is writing to himself. So it sounds like he's talking to you. And then yeah. and DeMello does exactly the same thing because he's actually talking to an audience. So it does come off direct. That's just, that's really interesting. I'm curious on meditations and you may not know it. I mean, to me, that's, this is my personal take. And I, I, I know Ryan Holiday wouldn't agree with this other people. I find that one the hardest to read out of the three big Stoics. And, and I don't know if it's the translation. And I've bought three different translations of Marcus Aurelius. Uh, do you know which one you prefer? It's the one that has a little cardinal on the cover, maybe if you have the, um, yeah. and if you don't know that off the top of your head, it seems like translation makes a big deal, a big difference with Aurelius. Well, there's an, a new one that came out, the most recent one that has a commentary to it, I think is really, really good. I think it's by Waterfield is oh, the translator. Okay. Um, but also the one with the black, black cover on it that has the little cardinal on it is also, I think, a good translation, but it is weird. They are very different. Like yeah. I pulled up the public domain 
um, ones. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just a different, different language. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. That was my pain too. The public domain one was just almost unreadable, but I'm going to check out the Waterfield one too. So I'm, again, I'm going to link all this to the notes for anybody that's listening. Cause in some cases, translations, well, actually translations always make a big deal, but they, I think with yeah. the meditations, it's a big thing. Uh, is there a third book or are those the two books that you wanted to share? I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, could I mention an, a new one yeah. that people may not be familiar with, but I think some listeners would would enjoy is um, the Good Life Method. It's it's written by a couple professors, and they uh, they created the God and the Good Life course at, at Notre Dame, hmm. and it, it's this interesting thing of of tackling this what is the good life from a philosophical perspective, but also with from a, from a Christian perspective as well. So I think it's an interesting book, a, a needed book, and uh, there may be some listeners that enjoy that. Thank you. And then the last question, uh, how can uh, listeners who are interested in, in you now best connect with you and also talk a little bit about the coaching services that you provide and what maybe an ideal client would look like uh, if, uh, for, for you? Oh, cool. Well, thanks for that. It's um, I think the best way is probably just give perennial leader project to Google. Um, it's perennialleader.com. You can check out what I'm, what I'm up to in the way of articles and, you know, a little weekly newsletter that we put out and podcasts and all that type of stuff. Um, for coaching, I, I coach very few, definitely never more than two or three at a, at a time. Um, an ideal person might be, someone looking to create a little little greater awareness i mean definitely as you know any coaching thing is completely self-directed it's whatever that individual is particularly looking for um but i guess in, in the way of you know socratic questioning and things like that somebody that is, is is looking to maybe get some some questions that might broaden a perspective and and maybe hopefully create a little more clarity and, and meaning in someone's life. I love that. Well, Josh, I want to thank you for uh, being you, for honoring the gifts that uh, God's given to you and honoring that curiosity that you have and then sharing so much wonderful content with the world. And I appreciate you taking some time today to speak with me and, and the audience here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on. It's good to connect again. Yeah, it is. And thanks everyone for listening all the way to the end of uh, this week's episode of the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. Until next time, show up, pay attention. God's got way more invested in you than even you do. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. If you found this episode helpful, would you please share it with friends through your social media networks, as well as leaving a review to help other people find it? If you're interested in any of the resources mentioned, please check out the show notes. And let me again remind you, if you're interested in contemplative practices, my latest book, Centering Prayer, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life, is now available in paperback or on Kindle. Recommend ordering it off of Amazon. If you want to do a large order, I would reach out directly to Paraclete Press. Ask for Sister Estelle, and you can get some deep discounts if you're interested in buying Say any quantity over of at least three or more copies, you can get good discounts directly from Paraclete. Thank you so much for the privilege of serving you, and we'll see you next time.